Hello and welcome to the I'm Not A Barista podcast, where you can get inspired by real life stories from the people behind the cup. Join us as we talk about everything to do with coffee, from having a career in this industry to brewing tips and how you can support this global community. Humanity runs on coffee and together we can empower the people behind the cup. Hello everyone, my name is Miki Wang, your host of I'm Not Barista podcast. Today we're going to talk about how do you turn a big concept like specialty coffee into content that is educational, digestible, and entertaining at the same time. Today's guest is Tim Rock, the co-founder and the brand behind the Right Roast. He has spent the last decade doing just that, along with his wife Aiko, who makes up the brain behind the brand. The creative duo have devoted their effort into building an ecosystem that unites roasters and consumers alike in an online platform that is designed to grow into something so much more. So let's meet Team Rock. Welcome to the Amnal Barista podcast. And could you please tell us your background? How did you end up with coffee? Um, okay, well... My background is as a filmmaker. So for many, many years before I was even in the world of coffee, I was working in film and television. And it's such a weird industry because you you try to sort of make a success of a career in, in a very fragmented industry. And I witnessed it change over the years. So I kind of went into film and television wanting a more traditional career in film and television that I grew up watching sort of in the 1980s. Filmmaking was not digital, so it was really not for everybody. It was a very difficult, expensive thing to get into. And um, I pursued it and really enjoyed the pursuit. But I found that in the 90s, as I was sort of properly getting into the business, it was changing rapidly. It was becoming a much more digital industry and therefore... The, the sort of the type of person that would work in film and television was changing. And I found that I was falling out of love with the whole process. So it was difficult for me to reconcile with the career that I'd chosen as a child that was slowly becoming something I wasn't suited to. And I felt sort of a little bit lost. And then, uh, then I met my wife. And then uh, about 10 years ago, I started getting into specialty coffee. I remember I went to New York, visited a little cafe in Brooklyn called Blue Bottle, and uh, tried a, there was a big long queue outside. And uh, I wondered why there was such a long queue for a little cafe. And uh, my friend said, it's because they make these new kinds of coffees that take ages to make. And I wanted to try it. I like coffee. I didn't think coffee was a special drink, but I thought if everybody's trying this new drink that takes a long time to make, I want to try it. And then I, I waited in the queue. And when we got inside, I saw that they were making these sort of pour overs. They were just they were doing very fancy things with their new kettles with bent goosenecks and being all fancy. But I, what surprised me was that they were just making a plain cup of coffee. They weren't really making foamy lattes with caramels or any sort of crazy drinks that Starbucks were telling you about. It was just this ordinary looking drink. And so when I tried it and I could see that it was the flavor that was the exciting thing, not the fancy things that were putting in the drink. I started taking a genuine interest in coffee. And that's really how my, my journey began into specialty coffee and away from, from my other career. I believe Blue Bottle as a specialty coffee big brand 
has educated so many people and opened their doors of specialty coffee world. It has been ten years since your first specialty coffee at Blue Bottle. What do you think about Blue Bottle nowadays? <laughs> Blue Bottle now is, I think, because I haven't had a Blue Bottle coffee since I was in Japan, and we were in Japan about three years ago, and we did a sort of Tokyo coffee scene video, and I visited Blue Bottle again because,、uh, well, we just wanted to cover the scene there. And I enjoyed the coffee there. I thought it was really great, and I think that they're still making really good coffee. I just think it's a bit sad, maybe, that their business side of things, their business model, became very aggressive, and they really wanted to sort of grow rapidly and become a chain. And I know that when you grow that fast, you often swap quality for, you know, well, you just compromise on quality. And I could see that happening, but I'm glad that they didn't become Starbucks or anything like that. So <laughs> they're okay, they're fine. I remember I used to drink Starbucks a lot before I get to know specialty coffee, and then there's no way back. Ten years is almost a decade. Could you tell us a bit more about the coffee industry that you know? Well, I think it's amazing. I mean, the the, the journey for me of learning more about specialty coffee is is about Learning that there is so many people who are passionate and dedicated to、um, so many things that are nothing to do with profit. Just so much about specialty coffee is about the passion of the farmers, the passion of the roasters, the passionate people working, the baristas, the passion of everybody, so that you are given great quality work. And、uh, it's just incredible how much you can learn. About the, the work that people do, the, the, the passion equals information and knowledge. And for me, it's difficult because I, I want to learn all these different aspects of specialty coffee, but at the same time, I want to convey it. I want to I want to convey my passion for it to other people. But I can see that it can be quite scary, can be quite daunting. Huge amounts of information for a lot of people who just want a really great cup of coffee. But maybe don't want to be scared off by all the information. They want some of it. So I'm, I'm, I began to sort of feel like maybe I can take what I'm learning and convey it to other people, but in a very palatable way. I always sort of kept as a filmmaker that 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 sensibility of see it from somebody else's point of view. And what you're about to tell everyone about what you love about specialty coffee, make it fun, make it easy, because it can be a Really daunting thing and, and overwhelming. So I've I've always tried to sort of make my information that I'm learning. I'm sure your past experience as a filmmaker helped you a lot in this case. I believe for many people, seeing the world from a different perspective sometimes could be very very difficult. I know that you started your YouTube channel back in 2013. That was pretty early. Um, could you share us how did you transform yourself from a filmmaker to a coffee professional? I, I'm definitely not a professional.、Um, I haven't been SCA trained. I haven't had formal sensory classes. I've just allowed myself to sort of learn more because I follow my desire. My desire to learn is off is how I capture information. I find that when I like something, when I'm passionate about something. I'll absorb that information, but I'm kind of non-stick when it comes to things I'm not into. It doesn't seem to stick in my mind long. So, 
with specialty coffee, I'm just, I'm like a vacuum cleaner. I'm taking up all this information and I'm loving it, but I'm, I, I'm not a professional. And I think that it's a good place to be because I'm not trying to be a professional. There is an industry here of professionals. My professionalism is in marketing, is in understanding how to convey what other professionals are doing. So I am a professional. I'm a professional marketeer, filmmaker, conveyor of information, storyteller, entertainer. These are the areas that people in specialty coffee might look at me and say, you're not a coffee professional. But I don't think it's my job to be a coffee professional because I see that specialty coffee needs to be needs an agent. An agent doesn't have to be a professional actor. An agent just knows how to represent that professional and speak for it. It is so great that you know your role in the coffee industry as a marketer, as a agent representing those people behind the cups. Uh, but still, I believe that you are a coffee professional. After a decade in the coffee industry, you know coffee very well. Considering how big your coffee business is in Europe, and you have so many customers around the world, and tell us more about your daily coffee routine. What coffee do you drink every day, and how do you make your coffee?、Um, when I get up, I want my. Sometimes I, I want each coffee in the morning to be different thing, just because it's my job as well. That depending on my priority will depend on the type of coffee I want. So when I'm sometimes when I'm getting up and I have to go straight to work, then it's a work coffee and it'll be one that I have to profile. I'll enjoy it. I always like a cup a cup of coffee in the morning, no matter what it is, because it'll help wake me up. But it it will depend. Sometimes it's a work coffee, so I have to just sort of go straight away to my notepad. And while I'm enjoying the coffee, I'm also profiling it. Sometimes it's just a fun coffee, and I like it when my wife Iko makes a coffee for me in the morning that I and I don't know what it is. That's a really great way to wake up. Is to sort of just enjoy the coffee without knowing the flavor notes or anything. And then when you're sort of going, oh, I wonder what it is. Is it a Kenyan? Is it a washed? Is it? That also helps bring you back into the real world by 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 using your mind as well. So, talking about the morning coffee, who normally brew the first cup of the day? No, I'm 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 now become the sort of the brewmaster of the house. <laughs> We know that. Behind every great man, there stands a woman.、Um, very often, we know that you are the person in front of the camera, and we see you have this live brewing section on Instagram. There is one person behind the camera. Could you tell more about Iko? Okay, Iko is、um, not from a coffee background and not from a filmmaking background or anything like that. But when we met, we started to sort of. Take a mutual interest in specialty coffee. I had already discovered it, but it was very new to me. So I, as someone just learning about this new drink, introduced my new girlfriend to this interesting drink, and together we we started to sort of take a real interest in it. And then very quickly, after just a few months, we thought this cool drink could be something that we could talk about in a video. We could sort of、um, make videos because. I have the time. I'm a filmmaker, and just for entertainment's sake, why don't we try making some fun video? Right Row started more as a cafe guide, I would say.、Mm-hmm. Our aim was to be a London cafe guide, and Ico, without any filmmaking experience, I remember I said to her, "Why don't we try making these little videos?" And when we went to our first place location to make the video, it was at Proofrock Cafe. We didn't really 
have a plan. We just knew that we were going to film the cafe and I would talk and review a coffee. And the very first shot that we did was standing outside the cafe. And I just gave her the camera and said, right now, point it at me, film me and sort of start close and then move backwards as I talk and I'll reveal the entrance. She, she didn't know how to sort of film properly. She didn't know how to take pictures, but I just assumed and I put the camera in her hand and gave her a few instructions. And I think this has been what's amazing about Ico is that she's just, she's like a sponge. She absorbs information very quickly, learns really quickly, and then she'll be better than anyone at doing that thing that she learned five minutes ago. So she's a quick learner. Never more true than with Ico. She's really great at, at adapting to things, at learning new things. And she has gone from being someone who didn't really understand about the filmmaking process to being the main, she's now in charge of photography, filming, all of that side of things. She's an amazing producer. She's more than half of the right most. I mean, the fact that I'm in front of camera talking makes people believe that uh, it's me doing everything. But really, she does more of the business than I do. I'm the front of camera guy. I'll take care of a lot of the sort of entertainment side, the media side. But the business of the right roast, it's run by us, but she's the boss. And I've been really, really amazed by her skills. So. Well, before the pandemic, we were making a push for our marketplace. We launched our marketplace in 2019. And when we did, we were going to all the roasters that we had built relationships over the years and said, hey, we're starting a new kind of marketplace where you can buy, you can see coffees available to buy. We won't stock the coffee. You'll still send it. But at least customers can see all these new coffees coming out in one place. And that's been the vision from the beginning. We're still going that way. And uh, in 2019, when we were approaching all the different coffee roasters, it seemed like a radical idea. It's, we're not talking about that long ago. It was new. It was, it was different. And um, now it seems like the most normal thing. And in fact, we're seeing a lot of other people jumping on board this sort of concept. And uh, it's a crazy thing that the pandemic has completely changed the world and made what, what seemed like a crazy idea we were doing just two years ago now seem the most normal thing and uh, very vital, very necessary. And I'm glad that we were at the right place at the right time. And we're going to capitalize on this. And uh, the pandemic has just been a great chance for us to move rapidly on expanding our network of roasters. And uh, as you know, this very important mission of getting people to appreciate specialty coffee at home as well as at cafes. And it's a hard thing to get people to learn to brew at home as well as your barista can do. But the pandemic has been has been the game changer for specialty coffee at home. The pandemic definitely hit us so hard for coffee shops. They have to close down. The other players in the coffee industry seems experience a little bit different situations. According to your sales data, do you see you sell more coffee than before? Um, it's growing, yes. I would, I'm not sure if it's on as rapid a growth as some people, um, but it's, we're definitely seeing an increase due to, to the pandemic. And, um, but because we launched new just before the pandemic and what we the scale of our ambition i think is very large where we want to go is is very big we have we have an entire ecosystem that we'd like to build the right roast is going to be much more than just the marketplace and a subscription service and we've got a lot to do this year there are many projects that we want to sort of unpack 
but it will be always part of a, a kind of right roast ecosystem, a place for specialty coffee lovers to discover new coffees and talk about it with each other. Exactly. And when you talk about ecosystem, what do you mean by that? Like a pl- it's a place that's a marketplace and a media center and um, where people can talk talk to roasters directly or to each other about that roaster. It's a sort of forum platform. You'll get the videos, you'll get the latest coffees, you'll, you'll get the latest information, um, subscriptions. Um, it's like having a, a, a lounge environment, a shopping environment, a chat environment, but they all connect. For instance, if you want to learn about a roaster, but you don't know what coffees they had six months ago, had an award-winning coffee last year that everybody loved and talked about. Well, the roaster on their website, they take those coffees away once they... You only see what they have for sale now. Yes. So what we want to do is have this place where you can learn about that roaster, what they were doing last year, or when everybody was excited about that new geisha they had last month, you'll be able to see that excitement. You'll be able to track the kind of history of the roaster, short-term or long-term. And, and there needs to be a place for that kind of thing to happen. Thanks for explaining the ecosystem for us. And in your future plan, will you include coffee shops in your ecosystem? They will be one day. It's not, not yet, but we have stages to how we grow the business. You, it's, it's very dangerous to grow a business too fast, too quickly. You can confuse your audience and you can also make, you can just simply be not sustainable in, in your operations. A, ca- a roaster or a cafe in a small country somewhere can be part of a bigger network that if we create this effective network and then the cafes can connect with their customers locally that pull them into this network. So, for instance, a, a, a cafe on our network can organize events for the consumers that we have on our network that live near them. So there's a lot we can do with this um, Tell us more about your current business, your coffee club. Ah, the coffee club. Yes, we launched that in September. And um, because we have this marketplace, we thought the next, that, like I said, we have these different things we want to unpack. And the marketplace is the bedrock. It sort of serves everything because with the marketplace, you have the network of roasters and we want to keep growing that. And On top of that, it makes sense to have this subscription model because we now have this viable marketplace of coffee roasters. So why not pull in the coffees from these roasters, the best ones each month, and create a nice set of coffees for consumers? Because when you see when you shop on the right roast, you can also see that it's the shipping from international coffees that's the problem. This has been the, the main issue with setting up marketplaces where you're going to buy coffee from the roasters, not centralized. If you want a coffee from one roaster in Sweden and one roaster in Germany, you're going to have to pay two different shippings internationally for those two coffees, and it's just not worth it. So the subscription model allows you to have four or five coffees from four different roasters each month, and um, you're not paying the collective shipping of having those coffees brought in. This is a very popular thing. There are other companies that do this. There are plenty of subscription models, but we want to create something that's slightly different. So ours is about having the Coffee Club whole bag subscription for people who want that. Yes, that's not new. But the taster set, that's the original one. And that we're very excited about because it's samples of coffee, four samples each month. 
we, the test run we did, it was five each every two months. And um, this is just a really exciting way for you to try different coffees without having to pay so much on shipping. And more than that, we like to create themes around each edition. There's so much going on in specialty coffee that we want every edition to be a different kind of coffee adventure. So this month, our latest edition, the theme is Latin America. So we have five coffees from Latin America. And we, because we bring a lot of added value, you're going to have videos, interviews, and everything will be about those five origins and about Latin America generally. And then, so when you subscribe, you get one set of five coffees from these countries and the videos and the interviews. And we feel that you'll get an experience that's different to a usual subscription model because you're going to get educated, fun. You'll get four coffees or five coffees from one place or one origin or tell one story. And that's the exciting thing I think we can bring to the, sub to the subscription model of specialty coffee. After a decade in the coffee industry, what is the biggest challenge for you? And then how did you solve it? Well, a few years ago, we did a, a first version of the Taster set. And um, it was a very, very ambitious project. It was where we were going to visit a different city in Europe each month or every two months and have three samples of coffee from that city for you to try. So you could, we had one from London, then we did um, Barcelona and Berlin. And we visited these cities. We made the videos. We filmed a coffee scene in the city. We made three videos for the three roasters. And I think I spent about three weeks on each of these editions, working 24 hours a day through the night, so till 5 a.m. every day, editing all these videos, making all this stuff. I'd never done so much work for such little return before. But I mean, I enjoyed it. It was a passion project. And I think I learned a lot about what not to do. So from that, I, my biggest challenge was how do, I, how do I contain, how do I make all my passion and ideas scalable? That's been a constant challenge for us, I think, is that we have a lot of ambition at the Right Roast and a lot of ideas, but how do we make them sustainable, scalable, repeatable, and always fresh? My, my challenge is staying relevant. You know, four or five years ago, I was making videos in my kitchen called Hyper Reviews, which were these crazy ideas of entertaining people and re reviewing coffees. And then I would reinvent it. Every few years, I, I, I was always looking for that next thing to be fresh and entertaining. My biggest challenge is, is, is trying to stay relevant, entertaining, and fresh in, in a competitive world. So what have you learned from this challenge? I think it's by, by learning what, that you don't always need um, to have wild, crazy ideas. You just need to, when you, when you have a good idea, just put it into a system, a framework that you can then, it can be doable. It doesn't require huge amounts of efforts to execute that concept as long as you can repeat it regularly. For instance, my, my, I, I review coffees that come in and I put them on Instagram, but they require a lot of work. To just simply sit there and talk and review a coffee, um, for me, requires me to have the coffee here, film it, taste it, talk about it. Then I've got to edit the video. That will take another hour or two. Then I've got to put all the stories on Instagram. I've got to create all these stickers, product labels, tags, links. So in the end, one simple little review that lasts one minute 
on Instagram takes three, four hours to do. That's not sustainable because I only have so much time in the day. So everything I'm doing now is about creativity, but on a sustainable and um, scalable way. So yeah, that's just where I'm at now. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing so many tips with us. And uh, I hope everyone today listening to this podcast, you can also learn something from Tim. You can follow Tim Rock on his Instagram, The Right Roast. Thank you so much for tuning in to the I'm Not a Barista podcast, where people get inspired and connected through coffee stories. If you want to join our community, then please subscribe for future episodes and follow us on our Instagram to get connected. Until next time, keep smiling and most importantly, keep drinking coffee.